the Talent Analytics and Future of Work podcast with Al Adamson. Hi, this is Al Adamson, founder and executive director of the Talent Strategy Institute, and I'm here today with Michelle Deneau, director of HR Business Intelligence at Intuit. Michelle, are you there? Michelle, are you there? I am there. Hey, how are you? Thanks for joining <laughs> us today. Uh, hey, before we get started, because we're you know live now, um, tell me a little bit about you know who you are and what you do at Intuit. Sure, happy to. Uh, so I am the director of HR business intelligence for Intuit. Uh, I've been with the company about six years, uh, and what that means is that I lead the workforce data team. So my team is responsible for uh, our end-to-end data management, so helping our teams figure out uh, the right systems and tools that they need to get good data. Uh, We are responsible for all the operational reports that have to do with the workforce data, as well as the analytics and dashboards, predictive modeling, and employee surveys. Well, Michelle, again, thank you so much for uh, spending time with uh, me today and listeners. And so one of the things that uh, I ask everybody who is on the show is, you know, what is people analytics to you? And you know, what value is it delivering to the organization in your experience? Uh, to me, it's about using uh, using data and a wide variety of different kinds of data uh, to make better decisions about the workforce and the needs that we have to help run our business better. So to me, it's about making better decisions, uh, more informed decisions using data as opposed to really flying blind without any information about your employees, which as many companies say are are your, your biggest asset to delivering for your customers. Uh, so why wouldn't you want data on, on the biggest lever you have to deliver a delightful experience um, for your customer base? So that's really how I view it is all different kinds of data to help me understand more about our workforce, you know, who they are, where they are, what kinds of experiences are they having within it, um, and bringing all that data together in an integrated way so that our business leaders and our CEO can, can use that information to make better decisions. Got it. And you mentioned the CEO and, and leaders. What was our experience, say, five, six-plus years ago uh, before you started this effort and Relating to that experience, what are they enjoying now that they didn't have then? Uh, So about six years ago, we didn't have a team uh, in HR so focused on data. Uh, We had an employee engagement survey that was very well respected and valued and widely used across the organization, Uh, but that that was the limit of it. Um, and then when my team first sort of came to be, um, we had to start by tackling s- some pretty substantial data quality issues. So at that time, our CEO and executive staff really had very limited access to data, and there was a lot of question around the validity of that data. Um, it didn't have a lot of credibility. So it was a kind of a, a long road over the last several years to understand why uh, HR data didn't have the credibility with our leaders. Um, we had we had people tracking promotion rates via Post-it notes on their wall rather than the promotions that were coming out of our systems. Uh, and we had to do well, a lot of uh, kind of data governance type work 
to get the data into good shape and build that credibility over time to a point where now every month our, uh, all of our directors and VPs on up through our CEO um, look at our employee data on a monthly basis to track where we're at on some key metrics. Wow. Uh, and how did you command the resources, to, you know, whether it be headcount or technology, to go along that journey? Do I take it that you gave them some uh, positive experiences with the insight that you were generating and they kept asking for more and more and more? Is that, in effect, what happened? Uh, that, that is. It was a lot of um, pulling data into Excel. So initially we didn't, we didn't have any fancy tools other than Excel and PowerPoint. Uh, and, and the team and I, we, we would pull the data, look at it, try to transform it, just understand what was going on with the dynamics with the data, and then aggregate that up to a level uh, and always go with data and insights, not just data. Mm -hmm. Uh, to our executive team, and they got to a point where it was, hey, that's great. Can I have one now um, for all of our business units, not just at the company level? Or, wow, this data is really fantastic. Can you slice it in a different way? And and it would just take us so long because we were running it all manually. Um, and as the, the need and desire for this data and to move faster and faster, um, initially we, we would put uh, people hours on it, so we added to the team that way. Uh, but it got to a point where where people couldn't scale across the demand, and that's when mm -hmm. uh, we made the investment in technology to be able to scale reporting more effectively across the organization. So if I heard you correctly, you provided leaders, your internal customers, that is, clarity on the work that was being done as well as the work that they were asking for so they understood the pressure that was being put on you and your team. Thus, if that pressure was going to be alleviated, they had a conscious decision point on whether or not to make an additional investment. Is that a fair summary? Yes, yes, that is. And it um, and, and just being very clear about what we could continue to do um, with the resources and the technology we had available because there were certainly things that we could continue to do. Uh, but to be able to spend more of my team's time focused on understanding the business and getting the insights out of the data mm -hmm. and less of the time you know, doing VLOOKUPs in Excel and scrubbing the data, uh, that's more yeah. high value, <laughs> value add uh, and gets us more sure. of the insights and how to make better decisions. Got it. And Implied in there, is there uh, or was there a governance structure or a steering committee that was overseeing your work, or did you report just uh, upwards within HR? What did look, that look like? Um, that sort of evolved over time. Um, initially, when, um, when we started understanding the struggles we had with data quality, we pulled together uh, a data governance steering committee that was made up of HR leadership, some of our IT leadership. We also have at Intuit um, a broader cross all of our business units data team that we partnered with as well. Um, and, and we had that steering committee for uh, probably about two and a half years, I would say, that really helped us focus on data quality and getting processes mm -hmm. in place and standardizing definitions and, and, and getting that foundational structure built. Um, once we stabilized that, we no longer needed 
that particular steering committee and we evolved into a, you know, what are all the metrics um, and reports? What does that look like for our internal customers? So we formed another group that included HR business partners and some of their business leaders uh, and our, our people managers outside of HR to give us feedback on what are the right metrics and how to prototype reports. So we've evolved it over time, and now we're just at a point where um, – I have analysts aligned with each of our business units, and they work very closely with that business unit. They are our tax. You know, we're the makers of TurboTax, so I have an analyst who's aligned with the TurboTax business unit, and she spends a lot of her time understanding, you know, what does that business need? What are some of the drivers? What are the key workforce issues? So we get a lot of uh, feedback and, um, you know, kind of iterative revs through that process today as opposed to more of a formalized steering committee. Got it. And so you're functioning, if you will, as an internal consultancy. Is that a fair way to encapsulate it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so, so I have analysts that work with each of the business units, as well as some of our key HR partners, like our uh, talent acquisitions team or our talent development team. So we have analysts. Uh, reporting to me, but they are primarily focused on talent development or talent acquisition and trying to get the best data and good insights out of that data uh, for their particular areas. But it operates very much like an internal consultancy. Got it. And so if I hear you correctly, again, they're functioning as the internal talent experts supported by data. And largely that's been the data that you have internally. And if uh, as you fast forward, are you, or maybe you're already doing it, any predictive analytics or forecasting that's helping your internal customers understand the, what the dynamics of not only the internal workforce, but what's happening in the external talent market? Is that happening as well? Yes, we're doing a, a, a couple of different things. So we, um, we are using so, uh, some external data. Uh, labor market data, um, we also use talent neuron data uh, to help us better understand what the outside world looks like. Um, we also have, uh, especially around attrition, built predictive models uh, to help us try to understand you know, where we're, we're headquartered in the, the Silicon Valley, so attrition can be quite high and, and co- competition for great software engineers uh, is rather intense right now, so we want to make sure we're being very forward-looking um, about our attrition and seeing where we can get ahead and, and you know, maybe even prevent some of it. Um, then the other piece of that that we are also doing is we partner. This is still early on. I'd say we've been doing this over the last you know, four to six months. We've been getting much closer with our finance organization and trying to help with the headcount and labor cost forecasting as well. Uh, That's work we're just getting started on, um, and we've done a couple of models uh, and tried a number of different things, and we're learning how to build, you know, what are the right assumptions, what are the right workforce assumptions to build in, strengthening that relationship with finance to improve the accuracy of our forecast. Well, that's fantastic. And what does success look like? to you all in that regard, particularly when you're talking about uh, forecasting attrition numbers? Is it like getting the number right? Is it, uh, are you doing it at the individual level? So you're actually looking at an actual name or are you profiling like types of people who are at risk of leaving? What does that work look like? Um, actually, the first year, the first year we did it, we, um, we shared more of a profile 
uh, of the type of person or you know, geography or business unit we felt we were most at risk. Um, and frankly, when I presented that data to the CEO staff, several of the business leaders uh, brushed it off uh, and thought, no, 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 there's no way our attrition's going up. Um, and uh, unfortunately, the model was incredibly accurate, and we did see some spikes in attrition, so that when we got to the point the next year uh, when we reran the model, uh, and, and fine-tuned it a little bit more, we had a lot better traction with the business leaders. We've continued to keep it at the profile level, um, but to me the way I look at it is as we refresh this model and we share it with our, with our businesses, I really want to be wrong. Um, which may sound kind of strange coming from a data person. Um, but when we look at this predictive model, the idea of attrition is that we want to be able to get ahead of it. There's top talent, you know, our product development talent. We want These are people we want to retain if we're saying they are at risk. I don't necessarily want to go six months uh, down the line and say, oh, look, my model was right, but more of, Let's do something about it. Let's lean into the retention. Let's understand why, maybe even ramp a little bit on the um, the hiring if we need to, to offset some of the attrition that we know is coming, uh, but to not have that gap in the business because we were able to see ahead. So it's not necessarily about always being 100% right on the forecast because sometimes mm. I don't want to be right. And if we can get ahead of that as a business, that's even better in my mind. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a fantastic. So what I'm hearing you say again is that there's appropriate interve- interventions or actions taken to prevent the attrition from actually coming into being. And that begs the question, who's your customer for this? Is it talent acquisition, which obviously can affect, you know, hiring the right people? Is it development? Is it compensation? Is it communication? Uh, is it training? You, who is actually consuming and in turn taking action to, in this example to offset you know, attrition? You know, I, I love that question because all of the all of the groups that you just mentioned, I would consider my partners, not my customers. So we are working together to help deliver for Intuit's business leaders. So ultimately, at the end of the day, I see my customers as our GMs, as our EVPs, even our CEO. Um, and as an HR organization, we need to provide insight and programs and uh, you know retention strategies in this particular instance um, to help support the business and I do it in you know, my team does it with data but we're partnering with our talent development uh, or our talent acquisition teams or our HR line teams we partner quite heavily with our HR business partners um, to be able mm-hmm. to put retention strategies in place over this past year, um, and we had we had some success in a couple of the business units, which was one of those areas where mm-hmm. I was, because of those retention strategies, uh, I was happy to say that the model wasn't as accurate as it could have been if we had done nothing. Wow, that's fantastic! I love that. I absolutely love that, and yeah, that I imagine evolved over time as well. Insofar as uh, many. Other organizations, when they have an analytics uh, function just starting up, uh, there's frankly a level of defensiveness that uh, some put up because there's a heightened level of accountability associated with it. Uh, Did you have to earn the trust of these partners over time? Was that easy? Was that difficult? What are some of the key success factors there? Yeah, absolutely, and it, we definitely had to earn that trust over time um, because we we didn't have an analytics function before that. So it was a little like, who are these people with the data? And 
as I mentioned earlier, the data quality um, was questioned constantly. And it, it was a, you know, there's the HR data, which everybody kind of smirks, uh, the HR data. Um, so we had to overcome both a, you know, sort of fearfulness of data or a, even a data phobia uh, within our own HR team, um, but also that data quality challenge. And some of the, the principles that we put in place um, were around, you know, the idea that just because somebody doesn't understand the data doesn't we should never hit them over the head with it, right? We should never make them feel badly about it. So being willing to meet people where they are with their degree of comfort with data, um, and I have some HR partners who are admittedly very data phobic, uh, but then I have some who uh, love data, um, want to be able to use it, but still need to build that skill set. And then I've got others that you know are quite data savvy and can can run an Excel file with the best of them. Um, so so meeting people where they are was really important for us to build the trust, um, and also make sure that people were never surprised by the data. They never felt hit over the head by the data. That if I saw a number that um, you know too high, too low. Uh, looked less than desirable, um, I always went out of my way to make sure that the HR business partner or the key stakeholders always had a heads up and gave them that opportunity to ask me questions and talk through it and get to their comfort level um, so we didn't spin out having the conversation, is this the right number, is this the real number, and catch people off guard and have them you know, kind of back on their heels defensive. Uh, so just trying to be cautious there. Um, also being thoughtful about who we share data with and making sure that you know even if we're being transparent and sharing data very broadly that um, that everyone understands that here's everyone who's going to have access to the data and how they're going to be able to see that so we don't have people being surprised that their business units numbers are being shared with all the other business units because again puts people on the on the defensive immediately um, so just wanting to be very clear about how we share uh, and thoughtful about how we share uh, has helped us build those relationships over time got it and so it sounds like you're very integrated with the business and you because you mentioned monthly meetings so if any key talent related decision is going to happen you all are involved that actually leads me to the question what are the people in say TurboTax what are their titles when and what's their mandate what's their mission oh taxes are done so in in TurboTax we are trying to get your taxes done as as easily and as painlessly as possible uh, nobody wants to pay their taxes, right? And it's not a delightful right. experience, right? It's like you don't you don't wake up on April 14th here in the U.S. thinking, oh my gosh, I can't wait to go do my taxes, right? That's not, <laughs> that's not the feeling. But we we want your taxes to be so easy. So taxes are done um, is what is what we're after. So trying to help make sure that as I as we look at the workforce data. And understand what that means. That means, you know, we need to flex up and we need to have tons and tons of care agents, you know, on the phone, online, ready to help our customers who, you know, are are many of which uh, we call, you know, we know peak right before the tax deadline of April 15th. We know we're going to be inundated with calls. So we hire, you know, hundreds, um, if not thousands of extra hands to come and take great care of our employees on what can be a very stressful experience because we want it, 
you know, we want it to be as delightful as possible, right? Nobody likes to do it, but you, we all have to. Uh, so we want to make sure we take excellent care of our employees during tax season. Um, also with that, we have a number of product developers, software engineers, data scientists, who are all trying to look at our product and use data so to say, oh, well, I see a number of users got stuck on this screen. And they kept going around. You know, we can see that in the data of TurboTax. You know, they got stuck. They spent a lot of time on this screen. How could we re-engineer this piece of the process to make that easier? So we have data scientists, software engineers, usability experts, um, all working together to try to deliver taxes are done for our customers. Uh, and that's really at the core of Intuit. And we view, I mean, TurboTax is just one example, whether it's TurboTax or payments or Mint or QuickBooks Online. Um, that's, that's really at the heart of how we do our business, you know, looking at creating an incredible experience with a lot of care, um, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in the way people are working with their money. Um, taxes are done, you know, payments are done, invoicing if you're a small business owner is done nice and easy <laughs> is our focus as a company. Got it. And so with that, what does your team look like? What are some of the key roles within your team? Um, so key for my team is um, everyone comes in with – with analytical chops, right? They've got good advanced statistics. They're com coming in with a great understanding of data management, data governance principles, um, especially because of the way we started. Most of my team is pretty scrappy. You know, they can, you know, they've got amazing Excel skills and can, you know, pop huge volumes of data into Excel and transform it into something uh, that's actionable for our leaders. Uh, so those are really the core skills from an analytical perspective that, that my team comes in with. The other piece that we look for is, is that ability to, to talk in plain English about the data. And it's easy. You know, I, I often warn my team, you know, we've got to, got to be aware of data nerds gone wild, right? We've got to be careful because we can sit there and nerd out over the statistical significance. Was it the 0.05 level or the 0.01 level? And uh, frankly, that means absolutely nothing to most of my internal customers. Right. So we want, Get our we want to. For them. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's just not. <laughs> so right. as, as exciting as it is for us, we want to make sure that the way we're talking about it is. Um, is understandable to our internal customers. Uh, so I look for uh, really great business acumen. People want to come in and understand what Intuit does for a living uh, so that we can provide better data. Because if the data is merely interesting, then I'm not doing my job. And, and we're not doing our job as a team. We need to drive you know, better decisions. These need to be actionable insights. And if, it, if they look at it at the end of the day and say, oh, that was kind of nice to know, then we're not doing our job. Right. Absolutely. So, I'm, I got to love talking with you and talk to you all day. So, you know, a couple more questions for you. Number one, what's exciting for you? What's the future look like for you and your team? What are some of the pro exciting projects you got going? Well, I think um, over the last several years, you know, we've been able to, to to get our data to a point where it's fairly stable. It's not that our data is perfectly clean. Uh, but a lot of our core data is fairly stable. We're running on a good um, monthly refresh or bi you know bi-monthly refresh of our dashboards. Our surveys are running are running smoothly, uh, and a lot of that data is integrated. Uh, so we've we've gotten to a great place. 
with with our core data. And now we're starting to look at how do we how do we integrate even more, and how do we under, need to understand more about our not just our existing talent, but our potential talent. So getting more into the talent acquisition space, but also trying to understand more about skills and capabilities, um, how people move through our organization, what kinds of rotational assignments they might have, what kinds of skills are they acquiring. So not just the, well, you know, Michelle reports to this person and she's in this job title and she's been with the company, uh, you know, 5.8 years. You know, so not just that data coming out of For Us Workday, but understanding more about skills and experiences and capabilities uh, and integrating yeah. that data in to get a more holistic view. Um, and that includes our potential talent as, our, as well as our existing talent. Well, uh, I'm so, again, so excited about what you're doing. Um, you now, given your longevity in the space and obviously your exposure to many other organizations that and individuals who have done this work for a long time, in the few minutes that we have left, can you just give two or three points uh, for those who are either leading the effort or, say, a, a head of HR who's trying to identify how to prioritize the work? I mean, what are the two or three steps that have to be taken in order to build positive momentum to get to a point where you're at now? Um, I, I think one of the things that was critical for me uh, Al, as you said, I've done this I've done this work for quite a long time and I've seen uh, HR teams who have been incredibly successful and then others um, who who have not been so successful and I've I've had the experience both ways. Um, and to me, the difference has been you need somebody in HR to sponsor the work and believe in the work. You need an executive sponsor who really believes in it uh, to help, you know, to help prioritize uh, the resources that need to go against this, to continue to give the team air cover while they, while they sort out the data. Um, and I think that was really when I think back where I've been successful, that was a critical piece that I had and where where data has not been as successful, I didn't have that super senior HR leader who believed in data and was really helping to drive that. So I think that's one really critical piece. Um, yep. I think the other piece is as well um, is is having the right people on the team. The balance of amazing data skills with really solid business acumen is the other critical success factor. You could have some you mm-hmm. could have the most amazing analyst in the world, but if they cannot talk to somebody who's less data savvy about the data, you won't get the value, you won't get the benefit from it. So I think having having people, having analysts who can speak the language of the business is really critical as well because otherwise it's why are we investing in this you know, highly expensive analyst team when all they turn around and show me like pages and pages and pages of numbers, they're not telling me anything. Um, so having an yep. analytical team who can drive to true business insights, not just analyze the data, I would say is the other really critical factor. Well, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, and thank you for emphasizing that because uh, correct me if I'm wrong, there's not a whole lot of people out there with those skills out of the box. So I imagine you've done some coaching and training along the way. Is that a fair statement as well? Yes. Um, in fact, a, a majority of my team uh, interned 
for me. So the majority of the team that I have today have been interns straight out of graduate school. So because you're right, it, it is very difficult to find these folks. We 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 have ha- found a few out in the wild that we've recruited in, uh, <laughs> but there there often does need to be a lot of a lot of coaching. So we've gone you know, to new college grads um, and brought on interns, and it's a great experience because. They they get to try before they buy, and the same with us. And we can see how the, how they work and how they think, and they can see how we work. Um, and yep. it's, it's been a great model for me, uh, not just at Intuit, but in the past as well. Well, Michelle, again, your insights are uniquely valuable, and I super appreciate you sharing time with us today. Um, any final comments before we sign off? One final thought. I mean, aside from thank you, Al, for for inviting me to do this, always always lots of fun. Um, I would say uh, for those who are just adventuring out into this space, you know, try not to get too discouraged too early. It can be it can be tough work. There can be lots of setbacks along the way with data quality and little surprises that you get. We joke, you know, another day, another data adventure around here. Um, but but don't get discouraged. You know, keep keep at it. You know, get really focused, get narrow in on, on one of those those key metrics you want to start delivering and just really focus in on those and don't let don't let too many people distract you to go too broad too fast. <laughs> Outstanding. Words of wisdom for sure. Well thanks Michelle. I super appreciate it. Uh, this has been Michelle Deneau, Director of HR Business Intelligence at Intuit, and I'm Al Adamson, founder and executive director of the Talent Strategy Institute. Thank you for being with us today. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Talent Analytics and Future of Work podcast with Al Adamson. For other podcasts and to learn about upcoming events, please visit talentstrategyinstitute.com.